Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Sir. I'm detecting a subspace message. I'll put it on speakers. Subspace, dare to wander. The Intrepid Radio Program with Scotty Roberts. Intelligent Talk. Well, happy Friday night, everyone. Welcome. Uh, yeah, yes, uh, David Watts sent me a message, or Derek Watts, I'm sorry, just now it popped in and it said, oh, Christians and ghost hunting, eh? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about this from a little different side out than we normally do. And so I want to welcome you to the program. I'm Scotty Roberts. I'm your host. This is my show, the Intrepid Radio Program, heard here on subspace.radio. And that's where you hear us in the audio format only. And you can hear rebroadcasts of it the next day. And you can also join us for the video simulcast over on my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Scotty Roberts. Come on over there. Hit the uh, subscribe button if you're not subscribed. And the little bell, and that'll give you announcements when the show comes on. And also, if you are not a member of my channel you can click the little join button down below the screen somewhere. It's on this side or that side. It says join. You're going to see three ways you can become a subscriber in a different way, joining a paying, a money-giving subscriber to the channel, a member. And it's cheap. It's a buck, five bucks or 15 bucks a month and whatever you want to do. And But always remember, show's always free. So that's just you showing me that you want to help us uh, keep this thing going. And uh, we do have a lot of listeners. If everybody gave a buck, we'd be doing three hours a night, five nights a week. So uh, here we are. So if you are listening over on the Facebook channels, uh, some of you are, I see the little Facebook by your name, or you're messaging me from Facebook, you aren't going to see the whole chat room. You need to come over to the YouTube channel. That's got the best chat room. That's where all the intrep heads hang. And so you can come in there, join the conversation, and uh, check it out over there. And, of course, I've got every show we've done, just about every show we've ever done in the last four and a half years is archived over on my YouTube channel. So you can go there, and under Intrepid Radio, you will find 850-plus episodes of this show and all uh, the different topics that we talk about over there on my YouTube channel. So come on over, subscribe, join up, become a part of us. We're not a cult and uh, we won't eat you. Not many of us will. We try to keep them out of the chat room. So tonight I want to talk about, I've got it labeled as Christianity and ghost hunting. And it's not going to be solely about Christianity and how Christians 
view or should handle ghost hunting, but I wanted to look at some of the arguments that are put forward about ghost hunting within the church. I'm not talking necessarily the Catholic Church because they have a whole system and set of rules that might be very different from, say, other Protestant types of churches and other denominations. But uh, what I want to look at is how the Bible talks about ghost hunting. And it doesn't really address it directly, of course, because ghost hunting as we know it, at least in its pop cultural sense, in the last 20 years since its rise started, um, ghost hunting uh, is, is more of a modern thing. That doesn't mean there weren't conjurers and spirit seekers and seers and people that you could in ancient times label as ghost hunters. But what I also found, don't be afeard to join us, says Uncle Dave. Don't be afeard. You get your butts in here and join us up. And uh, uh, your content is broadcast excellent, bar none. Why, thank you, Michelle Canham-Free. Hopefully my broadcast itself physically is excellent tonight. We've been having, uh, we had to call in the other day. We had uh, internet problems here. So I broadcast over the internet. And uh, we were having some issues. So hopefully it's not going to be as choppy or fuzzy looking tonight. The sound is always good, but the picture is is rough. And uh, so hopefully we won't have that problem tonight. Uh, we'll see. Chief Remeldian says, I was Lutheran before I walked out. We never talked about ghosts. Yeah, uh, we didn't talk about ghosts so much in the Baptist church either, uh, where I had all of my uh, opportunity to study the Bible. Uh, but I did walk away from the Baptist church. That's good. Uh, the audio is perfect. The video is glitchy. Yeah, choppy. I don't know why it does that, to tell you the truth. I'm on wireless now. I had disconnected the wireless and gone hardwired the other night. Still didn't help us. Did the same thing. It's our, if I may make a statement to anybody in the Somerset, Amory, Wisconsin, New Richmond area that's listening to this, our internet here sucks. And our city councils have voted in certain mandates for internet companies. And so there's really only one here. There's one company that services all these areas. You go 12 miles that way and cross the river into uh, Minnesota, and you got 200 different companies you can choose from, all with much broader broadband and much higher uh, numbers than what we have here in our little town. So the internet here sucks. Their customer service sucks too. You know why? Uh, maybe they're getting, maybe they're good on some things, but it's it's their customer service sucks too because they know you can't go and go anywhere else. There's nowhere else to go to get internet unless you buy the big satellite dish thing and put it in your backyard. So anyway, enough about that. So I hope you're all listening over there at uh, Northwest Telecom. Anyway, Kat says ours used to be so bad that if it was raining, you couldn't make a line phone call, a landline phone call. This is just a couple of years ago. CenturyLink is a joke. Yeah, we don't have CenturyLink here, but. Uh, yeah, we're in a local Podoc operation. So there it is. All right, we're waiting for, uh, is it Starlink? We signed up for Starlink, uh, uh, Elon Musk's company. Hopefully one day they'll get out this way. We'll see. Yeah, there is a monopoly here uh, with the local company. That's too bad. Eh, eh, it's what it is. 
if they had to buy, if they had to compete for your business over here, the internet would be a lot better. So with their customer service. Okay, enough on that. I have rabbit trailed on that for far too long. Hey, Sarah Yusuf, good to see you tonight. See you over in the chat room. And so this Christianity and ghost hunting, I think I could maybe more have addressed the topic I'm looking for by saying um, biblical adherence and ghost hunting. That might have been a little more uh, accurate, but probably a little less catchy. Um, so I'm looking at, and I have not studied what Islamic uh, beliefs are on ghost hunting, although I know Islam acknowledges spirit beings, but so does the Bible. Bible's full of ghosts and spirit beings. So why is it we're told that we ought not do it? So when I was thinking about this topic, I was looking for some articles, and I found a, a site that is um, Ministry Matters is the site, and I wanted to see what this guy had to say about this, because he talked about Christian Christians and ghost hunting. And I've got his article called up, and uh, this is an article that was written 11 years ago. So we're talking 2012 is uh, the information he has in here. I don't know that he's updated this since then, but these are the views at least from 11 years ago, and they haven't really changed much. Um, I run into from time to time uh, people within Christianity that says, oh, you really ought not to be ghost hunting. You know, you're dealing with all demons and demonology. And I said, well, I don't think so. I don't think it's all demonology. Uh, that's not to say I don't believe that there aren't evil entities out there and evil spirits out there. But uh, um, I don't think it's all demons. And they said, well, you know, uh, the devil can pretend uh, to be anybody. You know, the Bible says Satan can appear as an angel of light to deceive us for that sole purpose. And it all sounds so, I got to tell you, and this belies certain points of my belief. And, and as you all know, I'm a little torn on certain things that I believe. Because <coughs> there's one part of me that believes it still solidly without throwing out the baby with the bathwater. There's the other side that says, it all sounds like so much world mythology that you don't know what to believe. <coughs> Sorry for my coughing on air. For those of you who aren't used to listening to a radio host cough on air, I'm just not going to reach for my cough button every time, which I do have over on my soundboard. Um, I'm just ignoring it tonight. Uh, and I still have the, <coughs> the tendrils of this cold. My doc told me a couple of weeks ago, you're probably going to cough for the next six weeks. Well, cheers to that. Here we go. So I got a cup of water. Mm. So the big question, and I think Sarah said something about it here. Um, the concept of one bad apple ruining the barrel. It's more of dealing with and having intelligences. It's a broad topic. Yeah, it is. So uh, ghosts in Christianity, ghosts in Islam, ghosts and and uh, Judaism. I'm going to deal this with this tonight from this guy's article, basically from a Judeo-Christian point of view, because he's going into Old Testament. And I've got a line of uh, things that I want to look at, too, from the Bible that give you, I found this, maybe I'll do this first. And this is spiritual warfare in the Old Testament. 
This is the Old Testament now, remember. Now, of course we say in Christianity, it was Jesus who was supposed to be the fulfillment of the Old Testament. The Messiah was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. He was the fulfillment of Old Testament law. And so the New Testament, we say uh, the Old Testament is kind of done away with, except it's not in Christianity. It's something that's considered as the foundations for what the Messiah was supposed to have accomplished. So you have a lot of, uh, of Old Testament law, a lot of Old Testament belief that, of course, is repeated in the New Testament. And after all, what was Jesus in life? Uh, he was a Jew. Uh, so Jesus, Christianity, is merely a sect of Judaism, if you will, that believes that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah, while the rest of them don't believe that. So it's it's interesting. So I want to go through a few verses. And I just got, I've got my old seminary Bible here. This is the Bible I got when I was in seminary, almost 40 years ago now. But uh, it's got a line of verses. I'm just going to flip through some of these verses. I didn't want to take the time to find them and flash them all up on the screen in beautiful text from the Bible sites. Now, let's just look them up. And uh, we'll look up a few. It'll be a good challenge here. Uh, Genesis 3, 1 and 4. And they've got it labeled here, Satan the Serpent. i got to put on my cheaters for doing this. Hang on. Here we go. 3, 1 and 4. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not even touch it, or you'll die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. All right. So that's the first one. It's talking about spiritual warfare. That's the, the the overall topic. I'm not going to comment, do a lot of commentary on these verses, but I want to read some of these. So this is uh, spiritual warfare in the Old Testament, Genesis 3, uh, with Satan, or as he's called in the text, Nakash, the serpent character in the Bible. Then you've got Genesis chapter 50. <laughs> I just opened this up to Genesis 50. It looked like... Uh, Looked like a zigzag paper marking that page. That's from a long time ago. Eh? So Genesis uh, 50 and verse 20. Um, this is uh, kind of the end of the story of Joseph and uh, Israel, uh, the family moving into Egypt. So verse 20 says, But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, and saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to him. This is when he revealed himself to his brothers and so on. Uh, so, spiritual warfare. 
that would have been uh, the relationship between evil and good. Um, I don't see exactly what this guy was getting at. Now you're going to notice when I start going through some of these verses, you're going to see some things that are relevant to certain exegeters of scripture, as opposed to perhaps what we really need to take, need to take heed of. So Leviticus now, we're going to Leviticus 16, verses 6 through 10. See, Exodus, Leviticus is right after Exodus. So Leviticus uh, 16, 6 through 10. Now, this is something very interesting. Levitical law. So if we're going to look at something for modern-day Christianity or modern-day belief based on the New Covenant, the New Testament, the New Covenant in Christ, uh, we're looking back to Levitical law here. And Levitical law, remember, this is also the place where you find uh, prohibitions against eating crayfish, prohibitions against a man walking within 10 feet of a menstruating woman, things like that. This is Levitical law for you. And Levitical law is a bunch of man's laws that have been put into scripture about their religion. So it's Leviticus 16, 6 through 10 says this. Now this is on spiritual warfare. Let's see what this says. Verse 6, Aaron, who is the brother of Moses, Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of the meeting, the tabernacle in the wilderness the pre-temple tabernacle uh, made out of tents. Then he's to take those two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of the meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the desert as a scapegoat. So we got the whole thing about the scapegoat. That's a whole nother lesson altogether, looking at practices in the Old Testament. So that is supposed to be a verse about God's atoning sacrifices. This is spiritual warfare. Hey, Elvis, Elvis is in the building. So then now you go to uh, Leviticus 17, the next chapter in the Levitical law, and verse 7. And uh, this is supposed to be demonic sacrifices. Verse 7. It's warm in here, by the way. Or I'm breaking into a fever. I don't know which it is. Verse 7 of Leviticus 17. They must no longer offer any of their sacrifices to the goat idols to whom they prostitute themselves. This is to be a lasting ordinance for them and for the generations to come. Now, I, I'd like to see what the context of that is, but that's the actual verse. The, it starts in verse 6. The priest is to sprinkle the blood against the altar of the Lord, and at the entrance to the tent of the meeting, and to burn the fat as an aroma pleasing to the Lord, they must no longer offer any of their sacrifices to the goat idols. So uh, Israel apparently was worshiping goat idols. That's interesting, huh? And um, 
And this keeps you. Oh, any. Oh, it says here earlier. This is what the Lord has commanded. Any Israelite who sacrifices an ox, a lamb, or a goat in the camp or outside of it, instead of bringing it to the entrance of the tent of the meeting to present it as an offering to the Lord in front of the tabernacle of the Lord, that man shall be considered guilty of bloodshed. He has shed blood and must be cut off from the rest of the people. This is so the Israelites will bring to the Lord the sacrifices they are now making in the open fields. And it goes on about not sacrificing to goats anymore. So there's a lot of stuff buried in this that we don't know much about by looking at the command on its surface. This is Levitical law. Mm. So this keeps going. I got all these first. I got about 30 more of these and it's taking a lot of time. So I'm not going to dig into it too much more. But uh, here in Leviticus uh, um, 19, verse 31, and then 20, verses 6 and 27, mediums and necromancers. Here we go. Uh, let's see what this one says. 19, verse 31, about mediums and necromancers. Again, Levitical law. Let's see. Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Rise in the presence of the, of the aged, show respect for the elderly, and revere your God. I am the Lord. And when an alien lives with you in your land, do not mistreat him. See, aliens in the Bible. <laughs> I think that means something different. So um, there is a that that was verse thirty-one, and then we go over to uh, chapter twenty. Next chapter over it says in verse six, "I will set my face against the person who turns to mediums and spiritists to prostitute himself by following them, and I will cut him off from the people." That's what God says in the Old Testament consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees, follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. Oh, listen to this, the very next verse. If anyone curses his father or his mother, he must be put to death. He has cursed his father and mother and his blood will be on his own head. If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. Death. If a man sleeps with his father's wife, must be his stepmom, I would think. He has dishonored his father. Both the man and the woman must be put to death and their blood will be on their own heads. If a man sleeps with his daughter-in-law, this is getting pretty specific. If a man sleeps with his cousin's sister's daughter-in-law, no, if a man sleeps with his daughter-in-law, this isn't part of the ghost stuff. This is just all right here in this same line of verses. Uh, if he sleeps with his daughter-in-law, both of them must be put to death. What they have done is a perversion their blood will be on their own heads. If a man lies with a man 
As one lies with a woman, both of them have done what is detestable. They must be put to death. Their blood will be on their own heads. If a man marries both a woman and her mother, <laughs> it's wicked <laughs> in more ways than you can think. Both he and they must be burned in the fire so that no wickedness will be among you. So if a man marries both his a woman and her mother, would that be consecutively at the same time uh, for taxes? Uh, the wife has died and he marries the mother. I don't know. It doesn't say that. It says if he marries the woman. If a woman approaches an animal to have sexual relations with it, kill both the woman and the animal. They must be put to death. Their blood will be on their own heads. If a man has sexual relations with an animal, he must be put to death, and you must kill the animal. Whew, this is harsh stuff. This is, but this is a whole lesson in here somewhere. That, that chapter just keeps going on and on and on and on. That's all the verses that come immediately after, you know, don't look up, don't go to mediums. <laughs> so there you go. That's interesting stuff. Anyway, so I'm sorry, I got super runny nose and I got uh, the, the dry throat coffee thing going on. So bear with me, folks, bear with me. Anyway, this all goes on all through the Old Testament and all these verses, and I'm not going to go through any more of those. But that's that Deuteronomy verse out of Levitical law is the way that the Old Testament prescribed that you, Moses wrote Leviticus. Moses wrote the Pentateuch. It's attributed to him at any rate. I don't see why there's any reason to believe he didn't, uh, although it's probably had its alterations over the years like everything else. So, um, but he uh, wrote uh, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then Joshua comes by and picks it up after that. I'm sweating. So you can't see that on radio, but you can see it on video. So now getting into the ghost hunting, the whole ghost hunting thing and using some of that material that we looked at as the basis for what they're talking about here. This guy goes on, he says, if you aren't familiar with the phenomenon of ghost hunting, you haven't surfed through your basic cable channel lineup in a long time. Uh, the same channels that give you Jersey Shore, remember that show? Honey Boo Boo, which I never deigned to watch, even to have a head knowledge of what it was about. Complete waste of time even thinking about it. They promote the same channels promote the paranormal every week. Ghost hunters, ghost adventures, the haunted. Now you got all sorts of other shows. You've got all sorts of internet shows on YouTube and uh, scary stuff. And uh, something I had recently heard too is that Zach Baggins of Ghost Adventures, why do you think Travel Channel has so many ghost shows? I was told he had a stake in travel channel and he produced many of those but now my understanding and don't misquote me here don't quote me on this because i don't know all the facts just a hearsay amongst people to talk about this stuff um is that uh zach baggins is looking to try to have a lot of these ghost shows shut down on travel channel because they compete with his ah, who knows 
Who knows? Uh, but it, you know, it makes sense from a business point of view, I guess. So um, I think most of us look at these shows. Some of us are true believers. Some of them take it with a grain of salt. And But most ghost hunters, uh, also known as paranormal investigators, they aren't limited to television. There's groups and societies that specialize in investigating paranormal claims that, are, that have popped up all over the world. I know in Minnesota alone, back the year that Ghost Hunters first aired on American television, which would have been, I think it was 2003, was the first year they aired, that there was like four ghost hunting groups in the state of Minnesota. And within a couple of years, there were over 500. So uh, that shows how pop culture affected this. And this is why ghost hunting has become such a popular thing. Um, there are some of these uh, ghost hunting groups that are out there. They're all over the place. You can find them. Uh, you just go on the internet and just look in your own city. Is there any ghost hunting groups? I look at cat. You live in a small town in Nebraska. Any ghost hunting groups in your town or people that do it? Mediums, things like that. It's all over the place. It's everywhere. Um, <laughs> Philip Blair said, apparently the ancient Israelites were excessively kinky. And apparently so. Usually you don't throw out their commands out there for things that people aren't doing. It's like, I don't know. I can't even think of anything, so I won't. <coughs> What's BS? Paige, what did I miss? Um, oh, oh, about uh, Zach Baggins? I don't know enough about it. I don't have any problems with Zach Baggins. I like him, but uh, so I don't know anything about that. That's just something I was told uh, by some people that were supposedly in the know. Not told like, did you hear the gossip about that? No, it was just in talking about paranormal television. So uh, is Zach Baggins a hobbit? No, but his cousin is. So ghost hunters, now, of course, as we all know, I'm talking to some of you like you don't know what this is, but they use technology, it's fringe science, to attempt to prove or disprove alleged hauntings of houses, other locations. Some of that science has become awfully less fringe in recent years. Uh, some of them use occult methods. Uh, they bring in psychics, mediums, channelers to assist with their investigations. I do that. Rainy, my own wife, is a psychic medium. She does not put that out there. She's quietly so. She doesn't make any money doing it if that's... that's you rate public psychics and mediums. Now, she just has a gift. Um, but uh, real-life ghost hunting is nowhere near as fast-paced and exciting as the reality shows will show you, as you all know so well. Any of you that have gone ghost hunting, you can sit for hour upon hour upon hour, shuffle around from room to room, hallways, and all of that, and you, you get nothing. And sometimes you get something. Sometimes you get something right away. It all depends. But I also believe the veil is, I don't have this on any great authority. I've just heard it from several fronts that uh, the weirdness and the spirituality of the world today, veil is getting thinner, they say. And it is. Uh, it seems like it's an awful lot easier to pick up activity. Because on a recent ghost hunt, we just picked up stuff right away. So... Uh, the banning of paranormal shows. 
Scotte, she says. Paige Rock, Rockwell Soiree. Um, oh, I don't think they're being banned. I think uh, he's looking to have some of them canceled. That could just be a money thing, a competition thing. I don't know. I think the more the better. I think it's a lot of fun to watch. So uh, I'm guessing uh, that in the real world, there's no one to edit out all the boring stuff uh, like you see on TV. You watch an hour-long show, which is on network television or even cable television. It's 42 minutes of airtime. In 42 minutes, they usually squeeze three and sometimes four days of investigations into those time slots, into the 42 minutes. gives you an idea. So, And so when you get a really boring show where they don't find anything, you know, imagine what that was like for four nights. So there's no one editing in real life. And so I've heard accounts of people uh, experiencing all kinds of demonic oppression and or possession after taking part in paranormal investigations. Uh, it stirs up trouble in the spiritual realm. When you stir up trouble in the spiritual realm, uh, it's never something that should be taken lightly. So some people will poo-poo that altogether. You say, oh, please, the demonic... They, they might accept the fact that there's ghost hunting and maybe even ghosts, but, oh, does anybody really get... Yeah, I think it happens. I've seen it happen. And I think it's how you prepare yourself when you go in. Uh, you can be a denier up front, but then why go ghost hunting if you're a denier up front? Mm. Uncle Dave said, I think there's some ridiculous shows that ought to be canceled. I agree with you there. So... uh it's resonance, says Sarah Youssef. Yeah, very much so. I see that. Uh, Johan Densing Gypsy said, we didn't see or hear any spirits, but I did experience something very supernatural. It was so weird. Oh, that's interesting. You'll have to tell us about that, Johan. It was a trip. Uh, yeah, I've experienced a lot, and I've told a lot of my stories on my show, on this show. You've heard a lot of the stuff I've seen and experienced so some of my stuff as real as it was to me is highly subjective to the next guy oh really that happened to you yeah it did and uh, i think i'm a pretty level-headed guy when it comes to that stuff um, i even had a guy who was a philip blair says what did you see happen scotty roberts possession no, not that I would know as possession. Uh, there have been cases, though, where I've been called, and I don't even go to them. I will refer them to somebody who knows better than I do. There, there's stuff I don't want to, I just don't want to get involved with it. If somebody claims demon possession, and if there's anything to the cumulative stories of evil possession and things like that, it's not something I want to dick with. And uh, it's something I'll say, look, um, I can come and investigate for you, but if I encounter anything or get that, then I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to say, you need to get somebody in here to help you, be it a priest, a pastor, a shaman, uh, your religious leader, whoever it is, spiritual leader, or you need to get somebody in here to look at this place. So paranormal experiences seem to be subjective and personal. They are. Why? 
Sarah, because they're all on a spiritual level. It's like spirituality is a personal thing. So what do you do when you encounter this stuff? There's the question. That's what this guy is asking. So that, that brings the question of whether Christians, now do you consider yourself a Christian? That's what this guy is writing from. That's his angle. He says, should Christians even be involved in paranormal research and investigations? Should people, let me expand that and say, if you are expanding your spirituality, Judeo-Christian, um, Islamic, uh, whatever you might be, should you be involved in these kinds of things? You can accept that they are either real or you might blow them off as fake. I think if you're a spiritual person, you can't dismiss paranormal investigation as being phony. You might be able to dismiss some shows or productions, but you can't, and some people, but you can't dismiss the phenomenon as being something that's real. Uh, oh, I believe in spiritual things, except for ghost stuff. That's the spiritual stuff I don't buy. I just don't buy that one. It's like some Christians in the Baptist church when I was involved. It's like ghosts. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't believe in ghosts. Well, you believe in the Holy Ghost, right? Well, that's different. That's God. So there it is. And we've gone through and talked about that kind of stuff before. So where I'm coming from there. But uh, there's that question. Should we be involved in it? If you are somebody who is a believer in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, should you be involved in this? And I speak to the part of my audience more pointedly with this topic tonight that are Bible believers of one form or another or adhere to it in one form or another. Um, I don't mean you're Christian because you go to church on Easter and Christmas. That's not what I mean by Christianity. You know, uh, people, that always threw me. Um, well, I'm a Christian because I go to church on Sunday. Well, most Sundays. I tithe. I give of my money to the church. I pray every day. I do this. Um, I go to church. And uh, I always thought that was funny because, you know, I can stand in my garage all I want and call myself a car, but I'll never turn into a car. Christianity is something different than attending a service in a building. It's a spiritual issue. Most Americans, I think, that claim to be Christian don't have that. Their belief is, if I do this thing, if I go to confession, if I do that, if I was baptized when I was a baby, I'm good. I don't think that's the way it works. Opinion. Educated opinion. So, um, should Bible believers, is the, the point I'm making, be involved with paranormal investigation? Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that some of what we see on paranormal reality TV shows is probably a bunch of hooey. It's bullshit as bullshit gets. And a portion of the evidence they uncover is likely exaggerated. Some of it could even be manufactured. We've known cases where that's happened on, in television shows. Some shows are probably more trustworthy than others, but none of them can survive without ratings. Ratings. It's TV. And it's hard to get ratings if something exciting isn't happening on the screen every day. So there always has to be something happening. 
to get people coming back. Now, I will tell you something. If I set out to do my own paranormal television show, I could almost guarantee you that every time I conducted an investigation, I'm going to get something. Might not be much. It might be massive. But uh, it's like last year, you know, I all of you know, um, Rocky and I used to do that. Rocky Stucci and I used to go out to the Renaissance Festival grounds every Halloween. And it's 23 acres of this, what's a big movie set is what it looks like. Uh, Renaissance Village. More medieval looking than Renaissance, if you ask me. But <clears throat> one night we were out there and we were doing the investigation after the feast that they hold, uh, the Feast of Fantasy. No, the Phantom's Feast uh, for Halloween season. And uh, we took people around. We didn't get much. And there's some, some things that actually disturbed me that I think uh, some people were setting up. And that, that, that was very problematic for me. Um, but we had with us a friend of mine, Chuck Henriksen. He might be listening tonight. He said, you know, there was a guy that died in one of the buildings a few years back. And, you know, they're going, they have to go through all the buildings a couple of weeks before the show opens in August. And they're going through and they found a dead body. Uh, that had been there for some time. So it's obviously somebody who crawled in there during the winter. They said he froze to death and died. Well, so we went out in the dark. There's no lights out there at night. Uncle Dave can attest to what that place is like at night when nobody's there. And so we went out to this building. And Uncle Dave, if you're listening, just so you have reference, is if you go down past Bakery Stage, down toward the Legend Stage which is the big ship, just past what was the chessboard, the live-action chessboard, down in that corner. There's a building there, and I don't remember what shop is in there, but this is where this guy was found. So we went down, and we had the Frank's box with us, the old-fashioned one that I have, and we had a spirit box. And we were standing outside about 20 feet away from the building. It's dark. You know what it's like when nobody's in any of these buildings. It's like a ghost town, only Renaissance style. No lights out there. We had a couple of flashlights. We had a little bit of light of the moon, so it was easy enough to find our way around at 11 o'clock at night. And so we asked when we got in front of that building to the spirit box, we'll ask, you know, if, is, is there a man here? Were you here? Did you pass away here? Um, it's an artist shop and he's a painter, the guy who owns the shop. Okay. And we asked, uh, did you pass away here in the cold? Uh, we heard that there was somebody here who died upstairs in this building. And we heard a woman's voice come over the box and it said, it's haunted. Just like that. I said, Oh, Hey, that's cool. It's haunted. And, uh, then we said, by whom? Who, who died here? Who passed away here? And we got a man's voice follow up, say, I'm freezing. <coughs> and said something else about being cold a few minutes later. And we thought, well, I think we've got the right guy. 
or some entity was imitating him for whatever reason it might be. Now, the interesting thing about that is that that's not a big built-up story. There was no audience. It was just a handful of us walking out to a building that most people don't know anything about. They never knew that happened even. And uh, we start getting responses like that. So let's move on. Uh, we're talking about the phenomena being real. Some of it's fake out there. It's production value. I get that. <coughs> but assuming that some paranormal events and paranormal phenomena are real, and, and I do believe that, I think a lot of us do, how should somebody who is a Christian respond to it? Should you have a different attitude than everybody else? It depends. I don't think it's a good idea to go ghost hunting in places like cemeteries or abandoned buildings for just the mere thrill of it, the adventure of it. I don't think ghost hunting, my opinion, should be just for thrill-seeking. Although many times, that's what you end up doing. You're so excited to be in contact with something. What do you want to know? That's a big question. When you go ghost hunting, when you go investigating, what is it you want to know when you're seeking something? Let's say you're Judeo-Christian, Muslim. You already have a belief that there's life out there after this one. Or do we really believe that? We just believe it because that's what we're told to believe. Because we're in this religion. Our religion says so. But do we really believe it? That's the question. And yes, Johan, you have to respect the dead. Uh, Sarah says, it seems odd that now the supernatural seems so far away from daily culture now than it seemed in biblical life. Yeah, it certainly does. It was part of their life back then. We've become more sophisticated now. We don't need that anymore, right? So um, a Christian's purpose, according to the Bible, is connected to the purpose of Jesus Christ to destroy the works of the devil. That's in 1 John 3, 8. And so when there's a situation where somebody's being tormented or harassed by a spiritual entity, whether human or demonic, I believe Christians have an authority to step in and confront it. There was a guy, Adam Bly, I've mentioned him before, Catholic, very Catholic, worked with John Zaffis a lot. I'm not sure what he's doing now. I haven't talked to him in many years. But his purpose was to go on paranormal investigations to pray for the souls. He was a very holy person, if you ask me. And uh, he was the one I've mentioned that uh, was a demonologist, and he taught about exorcisms. Uh, he even was flown to the Vatican many times, my understanding, to speak to bishops about demonology and exorcism. But he was not a priest. And he said, no, I'm not a priest. He says, so I can't exercise any demons. He says, I, but I do know what's involved, and I can pray, and I can do this. So his whole take was very different when he went on these investigations. But I believe Christians, I believe anybody spiritual, let's take it out of Christianity and your spirituality. If you have the ability to confront that evil, you can certainly confront it. And that's supposed to be a call for Christians to do the same in the New Testament. And so um, Christians have that authority. 
Uh, if a family's dealing with a paranormal activity in their house and they, they need help getting rid of it, then that's fair game. But there's always some degree of risk when you confront evil, especially if you don't know exactly what you're doing. And if you do get involved in any kind of ministry that deals directly with evil, be prepared to pray and learn as much as you can about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. This is crazy shit when you think about it. You're opening up that door. This is what I think a guy like Zach Baggins is. Is Zach Baggins a spiritual warrior? I don't know. I don't know what his real purposes are for what he does. But he does it. Guys like Zach Baggins. Let's put it that way. I'd love to sit and talk to him. I'd love to pick his mind on it and see what he thinks. What he's thinking, he's, th he's probably stated it a lot over the years in his show, but he's got a reason for doing what he's doing. That's deep down, probably. Is it just to know things? Is it just to know stuff? Is it to drive things away, to drive the evil away? Has he been affected by that? I think we've seen that he has. He talks about his eyesight, even, as having been something that affected him from a particular investigation. <coughs> and by the way, if you're hearing voices in the background here, it's not spirits. It is my small child still up at 10 o'clock at night, screaming and going up and down the stairs. It's been going on all night, all night. There's no satisfaction. There is no happiness. There is no, there is only, I must yell at everybody and everything about everything. So anyway, uh, let's move on. So some methods uh, of the methods that paranormal investigators use are dangerous, outright dangerous. Uh, should Christians or anybody be collaborating with, and this is where I, I might disagree with this author. He says, should they collaborate with psychics or other occult practitioners? Uh, attempting to communicate with the dead in any way, specifically to get information or to satisfy curiosity? Should that be avoided? Should that be something that we do? I do it all the time. Should that be something we are involved with? There's a big question. Uh, Johan says, LOL, Scotty. I'm not sure what you're laughing at. My screaming child? I don't know if you heard the last one. It was like Banshee-esque. It was it was a big, long, shrill scream. And then mom's yelling at her, and it's just on it goes. I need some duct tape and, and a pole. Duct tape a child to the pole. I wouldn't really do that, Child Protective Services. Not really. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So... <clears throat> one of the verses tonight we read is pretty plain. Do not resort to dead spirits or inquire of spirits with divination. You'll be made unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. So says Leviticus 19.31. That was the first verse we read tonight from the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 18, the chapter before that, puts it this way. There must not be anyone among you who passes his son or daughter through fire who practices divination, is a sign reader, a fortune teller, a sorcerer, or spellcaster, who converses with ghosts or spirits or communicates with the dead. All who do these things are detestable to the Lord! Exclamation point. 
in Deuteronomy 18. That's what it says. Old Testament Levitical law. What do you think of that? If you have a system of belief that you adhere to, that is Christian in nature, Jewish in nature, something else like that, um, is this something you need to adhere to? Hold on. Oh, all right. <laughs> Rainey is texting. That's the dinging you heard texting to. I thought I saw that she said something. I thought I better look at that in case there's a problem. And uh, she said to my daughters, my older daughters, Abby and Bryn, she said, OMFG, oh my fucking God, these little girls. So there you go. That's what she said. They're fighting hardcore and screaming. This is where dad needs to step in. And you know what? This We're done with the radio in just a couple of minutes here and about three minutes, and I'm going to step out of here. I'll be back for the captain's cabin. We'll just, I'll turn down the mic and we'll be back. But uh, I'm going to have to go check what's going on because it's hot and heavy out there. Little kids. What the heck? Okay, I'm still hearing it. So, um, where was I? All this stuff, and I've only got a few minutes left. We'll cover some more of this in the captain's cabin tonight. So if you're listening on the radio, you can certainly come over to the YouTube channel and join us in a few minutes. Um, and we'll talk about more of this. But what about that verse? Let me repeat that Old Testament verse. If you're Jewish or you're Christian, it says to you who is Jewish or you who is Christian. There must not be anyone among you who passes his son or daughter through fire, who practices divination, is a sign reader, a fortune teller, a sorcerer, or a spell caster, who converses with ghosts or spirits or communicates with the dead. All who do these things are detestable to the Lord. How about that? <coughs> Consulting the dead could be an open door to powerful demonic activity if you're not careful. That's probably a good reason for some of that. Ghost hunters often use technological tools that help them with their investigations. But some of these methods seem to be little more than high-tech seances and Ouija boards on a high-tech level. EVP recorders, ghosts, spirit boxes, ghosts or spirit boxes, electronic speech synthesis devices. Manipulated by spirits, EMF, electromagnetic field meters, probably aren't an issue provided they aren't used to gain information. But is the gaining of information from a spirit something that is something we're not supposed to do? Isn't that interesting? Thanks, Ryan Gale. There's some good fatherly advice. Kids going to be kids. Ain't that the truth? Parents going to be parents in a minute here. All right, guys, we've got a half a second, a half a minute. And we're out with the radio audience. So uh, all of you who are sitting in here, uh, let's say goodnight to the radio audience. And uh, we're going to go into the captain's cabin. Uh, so for now, radio audience, I just want to say, live long and prosper. Join us every weeknight at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern. The Intrepid Radio Program. A Scotty Roberts Productions broadcast.
Space. Dare to wonder.